Amen. So Luke chapter 21, we're, well, we're, we're beginning here when the disciples had asked Jesus about the end times. And it's a pretty popular topic right now. You kind of have to be, you know, uh, with your head in the sand to not understand that things are changing right now. And a lot of people's prophetic antennas are bugging out and a lot of people are, you know, getting crazy. But one of the things that I want you to see is how the Lord handled these situations. The The very first thing that the Lord said here in Luke uh, 21 verse 8, the question was asked, what's, what's the sign when the end will come, right? Jesus said, take heed. This is Luke 21 verse 8. Jesus said, take heed that you be not deceived. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ. The time draweth near Go ye not therefore after them. The very first thing that the Lord says is to be careful that you're not deceived. The, the number one way that the enemy gets you off track is to deceive you. He's a liar. He's been a liar from the beginning. He's a liar today. If you listen, he will lie to you off a cliff. He will lie to you to destroy you and to destroy everyone around you. He's always been a destroyer and a liar. But the number one thing the Lord said is don't be deceived. You know, the only way you cannot be deceived is to hold the truth. Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. If you don't have the truth, you don't stand a chance in the last days. The, uh, I'm, I'm reminded of D.O. Moody. He said, uh, he said, you can know this for a fact. If you don't have a love for the word of God, you're out of communion with God. If you don't have a love for the word of God, you're out of communion with God. It, because the word of God is truth. The word of God is the be all end all. It is what the guiding principle for the life of the believer, right? But listen, even if you're not a believer, it's still the truth. Even if you're not a believer, it's still, you can be like, well, those holy rollers, they can get all that word, you know. But you know what? The word of God is true whether you believe it or not. If you want to believe a lie and get deceived, that's fine. The Lord gives us free will. If you want to listen to the devil and you want to allow him to destroy your family, you want him to destroy your life, he'll put you to be an alcoholic. He'll put you to be a, a, a drug addict. He'll put you in, in, in a, you know, out in the street somewhere where you don't know anybody and you're an abuser of mankind and yourselves. However, the Lord has a better plan. And he gives us that free will. Now, the very first thing that he says is to take heed that you be not deceived. Look at verse 9. But when you shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass. But the end is not by and by. See, a lot of times people get worked up about the wars, the rumors of wars. They get ex all excited about that. But the Lord said, don't worry about it. Because even when these things happen, the end is not near. It's not by and by. It's, it is still yet to come, right? Now look at verse 10. Then he said unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines, and pestilences, and fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. Now, this is the way that the Lord characterized the end times. Nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom is basically everybody being divided into groups and the nationalities. This is the very thing that you see people doing today. They are seeking to divide everybody politically by their ethnicity. They're seeking to divide everybody in every which way we allow the world to divide us. And listen, it is the devil that seeks to divide. It is the devil that seeks to divide. We need to remember what the Lord said in, 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 in the book of Acts. He said that out of one blood, he's made all nations. Do you remember that? He said out of one blood, he has made all nations. So it is the devil that seeks to unwind the truth that God has spoken and to divide people. But we know from the word of God, from the authority of scripture, that everybody comes from Adam and Eve. 
Everybody comes from Adam and Eve. We're all the people of God. We're all the family of God. We are human beings, regardless of what we look like or smell like. We're all human beings. And, 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 and the Lord said, out of one blood, he made all nations. And, and yet it is in the end times that we see this ramping up of nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Things going on today that you probably never thought was going to happen again. Things, things being, you know, coming out, the, the battles that we're seeing right now, the things, I mean, have, can you imagine a time where the government would actually tell a church that you can't have church? Can you imagine a time where you've seen institutions upended by, you know, claims of racial inequality and these things when 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 the the bible is where we get truth the world and the devil has sought to unwind it and to keep people divided rather than united by the blood of the lamb well there's something important i want to get to in this passage and it is in verse number 11 it says that there's going to be great earthquakes, and I believe there was an earthquake in the East Coast today. There's famines and pestilences. You know, a pestilence is the disease. It's like the coronavirus. These are all part of and unfoldings from the end times. These things will increase. If, if, if this thing has gotten us messed up, just wait, right? But look at the next part. It says fearful sights. Fearful sights. The, the, this thing right here, I believe the Lord wants you to, to listen to this. God is what we need to look at. If you allow yourself to look to politics or to any worldly institution, if you allow yourself to, to hold on to the things of the world, you will become fearful in the days ahead. Our responsibility as believers is to keep our eyes on the Lord. Our responsibility as believers is to keep the truth of Scripture in our hearts because fearful sights are coming for this world. The Lord will begin to shake everything that has exalted itself against the name of Jesus Christ. We talked about spiritual warfare, and we're supposed to cast down those strongholds. We're supposed to bring down those strongholds and cast down every imagination that's exalted itself against Christ. And all these worldly institutions, every worldly thing, every worldly system that has denied Christ will come down. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's a political system, if it's a nation, if it's a it's something like evolution, that you know, if it's so, anything, anything that has exalted itself against Christ is coming down. And in the days ahead, people will get fearful if they keep their eyes on these worldly institutions. But they're coming down in Jesus' name. They're coming down. The Lord is going to make it so that people don't have a straw to hold when he breaks through the clouds. He's going to make it to where everything is laid bare. The Bible says in one day that, that men will desire to die, but it will escape them. They will be so fearful there will not be a rock to hide under. There will be nothing to protect them from when the Son of God splits the clouds wide open. And on, on that day, it, like I said, every worldly institution that has exalted itself against Christ is coming down. You have a system like evolution that teaches that God didn't create the world and the Big Bang and all these things. God's bringing that thing down. That will not stand when Christ comes to this earth. No worldly thing will stand in Jesus' name. Every demonic and devilish program, system, government, everything, if it's not of God, it's going to come crashing down. And from, from the day and time that we're in right now until that day, people are going to grow more and more fearful as they see the things that they've held dear all their life come crashing down 
as, as they see their systems and their institutions dying, they will become fearful and failing in their hearts. I believe for this reason, and I'm not all in all against denominations, but I believe for this reason, God is getting rid of denominations. You can look at what divides the church and its denominations. Everybody's got a different statement of faith, but do you know that, it, that statements of faith are becoming obsolete in our generation? Statements of faith are becoming obsolete because nobody means what they say. Nobody means what they say. It, you can look at somebody's website and they, they can just cut, copy, and paste a statement of faith from somebody else and not mean it more than a man in the moon. So you, you, that's why the Bible says you have to try the Spirit to see if it's of God. You have to try that thing to see if it's of God. What kind of fruit comes out of it? Does, does the fruit marry up? Does it, does it walk in line with what Scripture says? Does the Spirit bear witness with the Spirit of God? What is the fruit of that which speaks? You, you have to do that. You can't just take things on face value anymore because the devil's a liar and a deceiver, and you're charged in the last days to not be deceived. Is it God's fault if you're deceived? Is it God's fault? Now, the, this thing here about the fearful sights, I believe, like I said, uh, fear is an expectation of evil. When you, when you hold to and cling to and trust in an institution of men and it begins to crumble, your, your, your fear that something bad's going to happen to you rises. Rises. Well, what happens when you have a job and the job begins to crumble? You don't know how you're going to make your next meal. You don't know how you're going to pay for your car. You don't know how you're going to pay for your house. You don't know how you're going to feed your kids. Fear rises. Well, this is going to happen all over the place. But I want you to know that God has a better way. I want you to know that God is better than our circumstance. I want you to know that God is better than the circumstance you're in. And if you'll look to the Lord, he will take you from faith to faith. He will take you from faith to faith, and you will walk in victory all the days of your life. No matter how low the valley is, God will keep you in his victory every day of your life. And I want to show you what he means by that. So turn with me to the book of 1 John. We're going to go over there to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Now, like I said, fear is the expectation of evil. Another way to say it would be it is the dread of danger. Fear grips a lot of people. Sometimes people get um, an anxiety attack. Fear can come on you from a thousand different ways. Sometimes people can lay awake in their bed and they will let their thoughts go places that the word of God forbids them and they will become stricken by fear. Fear, listen, fear will keep you from fulfilling God's plan for your life. Fear will keep you from fulfilling God's plan for your life. It will. God has a better way, though. God wants to give you something that removes fear, that removes fear. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, it says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Meaning, we're not going to fear the day that we stand before God because we're with God today. Anything he wants us to be, that's what we are today. There's, there, you know, I heard a minister say uh, the other day, um, you know, if you got to wear a, a, a mask to church, he said, some of y'all been wearing masks for years to church. You know, sometimes we're just not honest with the Lord and we're not walking in integrity in the spirit, right? 
But this, what this is talking about is someone who is walking in integrity of the Spirit, who is not withholding themselves from God and allowing the Spirit of God to do all that He desires in their lives. Right? So, and, and as you do that, as you are all that God wants you to be here and now, right in this moment, as you are all that God wants you to be here and now in this moment, you know you don't have anything to fear on Judgment Day. You're not withholding anything in your life. If the Lord wants you to pray about it, you pray about it. If the Lord don't want you to do it, you don't do it. You're just allowing him to have complete rule and reign in your life. Another way of saying it is, he's the Lord of your life. Not just in word, but in practice. In reality. You go out, you talk to people in the Bible Belt. It's all, I'm, I'm born again, I'm born again, I'm born again, I'm born again. I'm saved. I grew, I, you know, when I was a little kid, I went to church. I'm saved. But the Lord of your life has to be not only in word, but in deed, right? And that's what this is talking about. This is how he's saying on judgment day, there's not going to be any fear in us because we're all and all out for the Lord. He is, you know, working in our lives. Look at verse number 18. It says, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Listen, fear is a terror to the flesh. If you allow yourself to be moved by the flesh, especially in the last days, if you allow your flesh to rule over your life, fear will terrorize you. You know, whenever the, the uh, Islamic extremist guys, whenever they blew up the towers on 9-11, and their desire was not necessarily just to kill people, but it was to inflict terror. We call them terrorists because they wanted to inflict fear on the hearts of everyone. They wanted everyone to have anxiety in their lives. And there's really not much more demonic than that. It is something that comes from the devil that seeks to terrorize or inflict anxiety on others. And the Bible here is telling you that perfect love cast that out. There is no fear that can grip your heart so long as your heart is full of God's love. More love, more power, as we say. It is love that delivers you from the bondage of fear. The more that you know that God loves you, the less you have anxiety of this world in which you live temporarily. The love that God has for you extends past this temporary life. Yes, he loves you in it, but he's going to love you through it to the other side. He's going to love you all the way to the shores on high. He's going to take you from this life to the next life. That love has no end. It has no end. But fear is when you're uncertain of tomorrow. Fear comes when you're uncertain of tomorrow. It's the fear of uncertainty. It's the fear of uncertainty. Today's circumstances are very volatile. The world is changing. Every time you turn on the news, it's probably going to be something you don't want to hear. Every time you look at your bank statement, it might be something you don't want to see. But every time we see these volatile situations, we must remember, we must remember that the faint-hearted, the faint-hearted will become fearful. But the, the faithful person who knows God's love will be delivered from that torment. Will be delivered from that torment. The faithful will be made perfect by love. You know, there's a couple of situations in, in, in the Old Testament talking about fear and, and, and how fear can really challenge people, but it is in those situations that you know God's in control. God's in control. 
I think back about Moses whenever Moses was born. Some, some of you don't remember, but in the chapter before Moses was born, the, the Pharaoh had issued a command that every male child be killed. But the Bible says that those, the, the, the maidservants feared not Pharaoh. They feared not Pharaoh. You know what? You're probably going to say that would probably cost their life. But they did not care about their own life. They cared about God. They cared about the truth. And, and it says that they would, look, it's kind of like Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. When you know who's in control, then you're not going to fear anyone or anything in this life. And, and that's what happened to them. That when you get presented these situations like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they know, hey, you know what? You may kill our body, but we know where we're going. We know where we're going. We're not going to bow the knee to you. We're not going to bow the knee to you, even if it costs our life, right? Because that, that, that shows you right there a person who is not gripped by anxiety. A person who is fearful is someone who's not been made complete by love. It says right there that fear, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. That means complete. Somebody who's walking around fearful of well, what's going to happen if so-and-so gets elected. Well, I know what's going to happen. God's still going to reign. What's going to happen if the dollar bill don't work no more? I know what's going to happen. God's still going to provide. God's provided for his children before there was a U.S. dollar. God provided, for their, before, God provided for his children before there was a Republican or a Democrat. God provided for his children before there was an America. And if, if the Lord tarries and destruction comes, God's going to provide for his children even after it. God is above it and beyond it and greater than it. And even from our circumstances. But he that is fearful is not made perfect or not completed by love. I want you to know right now, you, you're going to have to watch the days ahead because as, as, as we get closer to, you know, this, all this chaos and this volatile situation in our nation and even in the world, you're going to have to stand on guard that you not be deceived by fear, that you not be deceived by fear, that you not begin to start doing things foolish, but you need to start making sure you're doing things that are faithful. Fear will cause you to do foolish things. Fear will cause you to act a fool. Fear will cause you to talk like a fool. Amen? But love, love will produce faithfulness. Love will produce faithfulness, but you need to know that God loves you. There's something very important that I want you to see. Now, um, turn, turn with me, if you will, to, um, let's go over to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. I want to work through something here. You know, as I was praying about this message about God's love and anxiety and fear, one of the stories that really the Lord brought to my, to my remembrance is about Joshua. And many of you know about Joshua, he took over from Moses and, you know, he actually led the nation of Israel across the River Jordan, the same river that, that Jesus was baptized in. And, and, and when he crossed the River Jordan and he, he came over to the other side to the actual promised land, the biggest battle of his life was in front of him, Jericho. They, listen, they had the biggest walls, the biggest city, the everything was stacked against Israel. But you know, I know that you know this, but Israel won the battle. You know how? They won it with worship. They won it with worship. They, they won it because the Lord told them what to do and how to worship him and how to march and how to sing and how to shout. And instead of doing what they thought was right, they did what God said. Instead of doing what they anticipated was the right thing to do, well, I know God said to worship him, but we, you know, we just need to start attacking. We're not going to win any battles if all we do is just worship. 
you know, they didn't do that. They just, they walked in the promise of God and they believed God. And because, listen to this, because of their worship, the enemy's walls came down. Amen. The wall, look, there are walls that the enemy's built in your life that will only come down when you get lost in worship and prayer. Once you begin to just get into that place where God is your all in all, there's some battles you're not going to win until you start worshiping. There's some battles you're just not going to win until you begin to get lost in prayer and in worship of how awesome God is. But it's amazing. Because the very next moment, after this great battle, this is, how many of you have experienced a time in your life when you were worshiping the Lord, you're praying in the Spirit, and, and a, a, an enemy falls, maybe in your life or your family, just that thing just comes straight down. The Lord just brought that enemy down, and you're just thinking, wow, this is awesome. And in the very next moment, Israel went straight from that to their flesh. Because the Bible says the next town was Ai. And it was the smallest town. It had the least resistance. The smallest enemy. But because they went in, the, in flesh, they lost. The Bible records that they had the greatest loss of casualties on that day. Because they didn't go with the direction of the Lord. They went as their flesh led them. And that, that should tell us that in, in our own lives, if we allow our flesh to lead us, we'll lose. So here we see this great defeat. And then it's an amazing thing because after this great defeat, how many of you know Joshua is probably thinking, okay, I just blew it. I'm a failure. If you're a leader and you lead people into death, you think you're a failure. I tell you that right now. You, you, you think, okay, something's not right. And the Bible says in Joshua chapter 8 that the angel of the Lord came to Joshua. You know what he said? He said, fear not. Fear not. You know that there are some things that the Lord needs to do in you, but it's not going to be possible so long as you walk by fear. Not until you begin to walk by faith will the impossible things begin to take place. There are battles in your life. There may be things in your past. There may be things that you've left kind of in the closet. There may be those things that you've kind of got hidden under the rug. But you know how the leg kind of sticks out a little bit. You kind of just kind of keep it under wraps. But those things that you think are impossible to deal with, God wants to deliver you from them. But as long as you walk in fear, you'll never walk in victory over it. Only when you begin to walk in faith. Only when you know that God loves you and you allow that love. Look, I don't know what tomorrow looks like, but I know God loves you. I know God loves you. We don't know what tomorrow looks like, but we know that God loves us. And if we know that, then we know that when, if the Lord allows us to see tomorrow, we know that he'll be there with us. That's the most important thing we could ever know. And, and when the angel of the Lord came to Joshua and he said, fear not, fear not. And he told Joshua what to do. It changed everything. Can you know that most of the time fear comes on us after our greatest failures? Fear comes on us after our greatest failures. The times that you've tried in your flesh and failed, the enemy will use that as a crutch to keep you bound. This is how God's people get in bondage. I think that we miss this sometimes. Joshua could have lived in bondage the rest of his life. You know what Joshua could have said? He could have sat right here on one of these pews and he could have said, well, you know what? I was walking with the Lord and we had this great victory and then the next thing we lost. I mean, I guess the Lord just left us and, you know, it's just not meant for us to win this battle against Ai. You talk to some Christians, they'll say something like, I guess, I guess I'm just going to be a drunk all my life. I guess I'm just going to always be bound to pornography. I guess I'm just always going to be addicted to this, that, or the other. It's just something I've got to live with. I've got to live with this impairment. 
Joshua could have said that, but because he heard the Lord's voice, when the Lord said, fear not, when he heard that, it changed everything. He knew that God was with him and God was for him and God was going to deliver him. Listen to me. Fear comes when failure comes. When you fail, and look, Joshua failed because he allowed the flesh to take over. But it takes a strong person to admit it. And it takes a stronger person to begin to walk in the spirit again. Look, yesterday's defeat did not stop Joshua. It stops a lot of us, though. Yesterday's defeat did not stop Joshua. He didn't say, well, you know what? I failed yesterday. It's not meant for me to lead God's people. I failed yesterday. It's not meant for me. Look, there may be times in your past in certain areas that you failed. It doesn't mean that God's done with you. It may just simply mean that we weren't walking in the spirit when we did it. And I want you to know today that fear comes from a place of failure. Fear is a tormenting thing, but the Bible says that perfect love casts it out. Perfect love casts it out. So I want to look at God's love here in this passage in Ephesians. If you're going to walk, if you're going to walk the way that God wants you to walk in the last days, you're going to need to know God's love. If you're going to be who God wants you to be, if you're going to be the vessel of light to those that are in darkness, you're going to need the light yourself. How are you going to show somebody somewhere you've never been? It's, it's like a lighthouse. That song, Let the Lower Lights Be Burning, is when, when it's dark at night and the ship don't know where to go, they see that light that extends from the lighthouse. Well, if the lighthouse don't have the light bulb, it ain't going to help nobody. You have to have the reality in your life so that you can be a vessel that God can use to extend hope and healing to the people around you. God, listen, God wants to use you to extend his kingdom in the lives of other people. This is God's plan. God wants to use you to save souls. God wants to use you to bring hope to those that are downtrodden in hopeless situations. God wants to use you. You know, we used to say a lot of times, you know, I just go to church, put in my time, and go home. That's not how God ever intended the Christian walk to be. God never intended it to be a place that you visit once a week. He intended it to be a life that is lived through you. He intended it to be a life lived through us. And so with that, we got to know Christ's love like we sang, more love, more power. Look at it in, in Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse number 16. Ephesians 3 verse 16. It says that he would grant, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. First and foremost, know and understand that what God does, he starts in you. Jesus told the Pharisees in Luke chapter 18, he, they, they said, you know, where's the kingdom of God? He said, you can't see it with your eyes. He said, don't you know the kingdom of God is within you? It doesn't come from the external eye. The kingdom of God begins from within. It is the inner working of the spirit in a person's life. And when you begin to grow and begin to get stronger in the Lord, it comes from a place of intimacy with God from the inner man. This inner witness of the Spirit will have to kick in. And, and until then, until then, all we have is outer religiosity. It is only when the inner working of the Spirit begins that a transformation takes place. God transforms from the inside out, Romans chapter 12. God begins a work on the inside, and it will trans to the outside. It will begin to work its way out. You can't work it in. You can't, look, God, uh, Leonard Ravenhill, he said one time, God didn't come to plug up a, a, a 
a, a hole in the tire. You understand what he's saying? God didn't come just to plug up a hole in the tire, meaning, you know, God didn't come just to make you not cuss. He didn't come just to, just to eliminate your worst quality. He didn't come to just eliminate that worst quality. He came to make you a new person. He came to make you a new person in Christ, that you'll be born again, born by the Spirit of God, no longer by your own spirit, no longer by the Spirit of the world, but by the Spirit of God. He's come to make new creatures in Christ Jesus. And, and until we get that reality, we're going to think, well, I don't cuss anymore. Well, okay, well, you can, you can teach a monkey not to cuss. You, you can teach a parrot not to cuss. You can do anything like that. That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean that a parrot's born again or a monkey's born again. How do we know when the spirit indwells, when that person's been made new? Like he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, old things are passed away. Behold, all things, all things are become new. You're no longer who you used to be. Now you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. He said that, that strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Listen to this, verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now this, I want to just run through this. Number one, I want you to look at verse 19. It says, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Did that, did that go past you? He said, I want you to know something that you can't know. I want you to know something you can't know. I want you to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. You know what that means? That means that you can't write a book about it, but you can know it on the inside. It's, it means that there's, there are, there, you'll never exhaust it. You'll never to be able to write the exhaustive concordance about all of God's love and contain it within the pages of a book. It is not exhaustible. It is inexhaustible, but you can know it. You can be acquainted with it. You can know the reality of it. You may not be able to describe it in perfect detail. You may not be able to ever write a book about it, but you can know that which is unknowable. You, in other words, you can be acquainted with that which no person knows the end of. That's what he's saying. And it is from that place. I want you to see that. I want you to see that it, God wants you to know something that is unknowable. I want you to see that. How is this possible? By the Spirit. It's by the Spirit. It, it, it means that it is not book knowledge that God is trying to confer to you, but it is something that is implanted and imparted to you by the Holy Spirit of God. It's something that is communicated to you by the Spirit that is coming from the throne of heaven. And it's coming to you. God can put something in you that you know that you know that you know even though you will never write the exhaustive concordance about it. You can know it, and you'll be able to pick it up and perceive it in other people's lives. You'll be able to hear it in some of the songs that they sing. You'll be able to feel it in the way that they shake your hand or, or, or hug you. You'll be able to perceive it in the way that they care about you when they call you or text you or write you. You'll be able to, to, to comprehend it in the way that someone may condescend down to where you are and provide help in your hour of need, maybe by cooking a meal for you when you can't cook for yourself. This love of God is something that knows no bounds. And, and, and look how he characterizes this. There's three things that I want you to know about the love of God that you have to be acquainted with, though. Number one, you got to know the, what the love of God is to you, the love of God in you, and the love of God through you. Love of God to you, you know that, John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he 
right, that he gave. This is God's love to you. That's John 3, 16. That's Jesus, God's love to you. But listen, a lot of times people stop there. You also have to have God's love in you. That's what he's talking about here. You have to have this place of intimacy where you know that which is unknowable. That does not make sense to the worldly mind. The worldly mind says that is foolish. Yes, it is to the worldly mind. The cross is foolishness to the world. But unto us, it is the power of God unto salvation. And God wants you to be acquainted with that right now. This is one of the things that we need in our lives so that we walk upright before God in these dark days. In the days where sights, as it said, are fearful. There will be fearful sights. There will be lying tongues. There will be all kinds of things to deceive God's people. He said if he didn't come back, even the very elect would be deceived in the last days. These days are dark and deceptive. And in order for you to walk upright with God, you must not only know God's love to you, but God's love must be in you. And when God's love has been in you properly, it will begin to manifest through you. You, you know, first you got to know God is the light. Then you got to have the light in you. And once you have the light in you, then other people will begin to see the light through you. This is God's plan. God's love to you, in you, and through you. Now notice what we see here. In verse 17, it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. John Wesley says of this passage, this word dwell here means to constantly abide. John Wesley said this speaks of intimacy. This means that, that when Christ dwells in your heart by faith, this means that it is not something intellectual that you know. It's not a prayer you prayed 15 years ago, but it's a living, ongoing communion with the living God. This means this is an abiding relationship of Christ in you. You know that Christ in you is the hope of glory? Look, Christ in other people might help other people, but Christ in you is the hope of glory for you. Meaning you can't live off of somebody else's faith. You need Jesus for you. And the only one stopping you is you. Look, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. No demon can keep you from the throne of God. No devil can keep you away from the power of God. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You want God? Cry out to God. He'll come and he will deliver you. He will come and he will set you free. He loves to set the captives free. He loves to bring those that are bound and deliver them. He loves to take you from the outcast and bring you in into the place of intimacy. He loves to do that. He loves to do that. Why? How do we know this? Jesus said that there's more rejoicing in heaven over the one, over the one than over the 99. You know, it's a lot of times we think, oh, the 99, they got everything put together and I'm the one. I just keep messing up. I just keep messing up. Well, look, if that's you, understand this, the shepherd's eyes on you. He's already in the 99. That's good. It's great. Hallelujah. But there's more rejoicing in heaven over the one that comes back home than over the 99 that never left. And sometimes we think, oh, I just keep failing God. I keep failing God. That just means you're on his radar. That means you're on the shepherd's radar. You know how you, if you ever raised animals, you know you got that one, that one that just keeps giving you problems, but you don't give up on them, Right? And sometimes we need to understand this reality that God loves to bring deliverance. He gets glory out of it. Do you know that? He gets glory out of every person that's been bound up by sin or iniquity. He gets glory out of taking people out of bars and setting them into, into places of, of worship. He loves and he gets glory for delivering you out of depression and into the glory of his light. 
So he says that Christ will dwell in your heart by faith. Well, that tells you right there that this is a walk of faith. If you're going to go further with the Lord, it's going to be because you believe. If you refuse to believe, there's just places that you won't be able to go with the Lord. The person who refuses to walk by faith will not be able to walk in the fullness of God. At some point in time, you're going to have to say, you know what, I'm going to believe my way out of this. I'm going to believe my way out of this. Every person that God ever delivered in all of the Bible had to walk by faith at some point in time. From Ruth to Esther, Joshua, Moses, all of them. Every person that God ever delivered had to at some point say, this don't make sense, but I believe. I believe. Every person at some point had to lay aside, this doesn't make sense, but I believe. I believe. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. Do you know that... The, the rooted and grounded in love is two principles here. Without the root, there will never be fruit. You must be rooted in order for the fruit to begin to flow in your life. You look at other people and you say, man, look at that, look at this, look at that, look at all this fruit. You know what? You got to be rooted before you can be fruited. The Lord, look, the Lord will produce fruit in you. God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't appreciate one set of people above another. God is no respecter of persons. He respects Christ's work at Calvary. That's what he respects. And when you believe it, when you get rooted in it, it says rooted in his love. When you get rooted in it, irregardless of who you are, irregardless of how well you can talk or articulate things or how much you know, irregardless of you and your ability or lack thereof, God will produce fruit in you as you abide in him. That's his promise. I think back about people's lives. I've, I've heard of people that never knew uh, how to read a sheet of music, but they could play the keyboard at a Pentecostal church. You go in those places and you would think they was the best thing since Beethoven. I mean, they just going all up and down it and get, couldn't read you a, a sheet of music for anything. How is this possible? The Spirit of God. That is a fruit. There's a fruit in their life. Now, you can't imitate that. You can look at it, admire it. Hey, that's neat fruit. But that is something God produced in somebody who's abiding in him, who the Spirit of God is indwelling. And in order for you to be fruited the way God wants to fruit you, you must first be rooted. You must first be rooted. And rooted in what? But rooted in what? It says rooted in love. Rooted and grounded in love. That's the key in order for you to be and achieve all that God wants to do in your life. You know that God wants to use you to reach others? God wants to use you to reach others. And in order for that to be possible, the Spirit of God has to be at work in you and through you. And here we see the next one, grounded. Rooted and grounded in love. What does it mean to be grounded? Well, it obviously means to be humble. We know that. But I believe that this means that there is a ground upon which you stand that will weather every storm. I believe this means that there is a, there is a rock that God will put you in just like he did Moses. He, he said that he set Moses in the cleft of the rock and he passed by. And, and it, I think if he wouldn't have put Moses in that rock, Moses probably would have died. And there's some situations that we're in that if we're not standing on the rock of Jesus Christ, we're not going to make it. Sometimes life gets so topsy-turvy and things don't go the way that we wished and, you know, just things get turned upside down and life gets thrown out of whack and things just get all out of, the, out of ordinary. And it messes us up. But if you're grounded in God's love, you won't get faint-hearted in the midst of it. 
Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 7 that when the wind and the waves came, that those that believe on him, even though the wind and the waves came, it does not destroy what they had built. But the opposite is true. Those that are not full of God, those that are not walking in the Spirit, those that are not walking by faith, believing on the Lord, it doesn't matter how small or big the rain is. It's going to wipe them out. There, it, you know, it amazes me sometimes how some things seem so insignificant, but some people can't get over it in the Lord. Some things seem so insignificant, like, well, you didn't call on me to sing a special. And they'll use that as, a, as an excuse to walk away from God. How is this possible? It doesn't make sense. Well, when somebody's not walking in the Spirit, these things happen. These things happen. Somebody gets mad because they didn't get asked to make the casserole. Well, how come you asked so-and-so to make the casserole for that family? You didn't ask me. You don't like my cooking. Well, no, we don't. But anyways. But the reality is, though, that sometimes when, when we are not walking in the Spirit, these things get magnified, and they will begin to take you away from the Lord because you're not grounded, because your feet aren't on the rock because your feet are on what people think about you. Or your feet are on what you think God can do for you. Because your feet aren't on the reality of who Jesus is, you will get swept away when the wind and the waves come. And everybody, the wind and the waves is different, right? Like, I don't care if you park in my parking spot, right? But, you know, you tell me my hair don't look good, I might get upset. No, I'm teasing because I don't have hair, but... But, you know, everybody's got different quirks and, and, and everybody's got different things. And the wind and the waves and the rain, it comes for all of us. It come, you got you to gotta get this. If you're not grounded, the right situation will come to sweep you away. The, the devil is really good at, at, at combining different situations and scenarios to target your heart. And if you're not grounded on God's love, you'll get swept away in the moment. I've, like I said, I've seen it so many times when people get so upset or so, you know, wound up about some of the silliest and littlest things. But to them, it was big. I'm always reminded of a minister who said, you know, whenever I'm going through a battle, it's a mountain. But when you go through it, it's a molehill. Same, same situation, right? You ever seen somebody like that? And you say, oh, just get over it. Just get over it. But when you're going through it, you think it's the biggest mountain there's ever been. It happens to everybody. But the key to it, listen, the key to it, is that you and I remain rooted and grounded in God's love. Now, what does that mean practically? We're going to look at this just two different ways, okay? Practically, God's love. What is God's love? The Bible says in 1 John also that God's love is this. He loved us first. We love him because he loved us first. How do we know that God loves us? Because God became a man and died on a cross for our sins. That's how we know God loves us. Not only did he die, but he's alive. He rose from the dead on the third day. And we sing hallelujah for that reality. The, the Bible says that when we could not do anything for ourselves, and Jesus told the Pharisees that unless you believe on me, you will die in your sins. And every person that believes not will die in their sins and be damned for eternity in hell. And when God showed us that reality, that we have no hope within ourselves, there's no way that we can attain a righteousness that is right with God. There's no way that we can go to heaven God came to earth. God came to earth. God indwelt 
man. Emmanuel means God with us. And God decided to in- inhabit a body, and he came in Mary's body in that womb. And he was born on that Christmas morning, and he walked on this earth for 33 years, perfectly fulfilling the law in every aspect. Not only did he not sin, it's not only did he not fall off the cliff, but he walked on it perfectly. In everything he did, he pleased the Father to the fullest. We always think about it on one side of the ditch. Well, he never sinned. Yes, he never sinned, but he went completely the other way too, and in everything he did, he did exactly what the Father wanted. See, you just sit on a couch, you might not sin for the day. That don't mean that you're doing what God wants you to do. So that reality is that we must be rooted and grounded in God's love. That means dwelling in that, comprehending it, understanding it, abiding in it, the fact that God loves you. This reality, listen, this reality that God loves you will deliver you from fear. You know why? Because there is nothing that can happen to you in this life that can take you away from where God's going to take you. Verse 18 says that you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. Now, the breadth there means the width. The width. Whenever you think about the width, you can think about Jesus' arms outstretched on the cross. Yeah, they might have been about six foot apart, but the Bible teaches us that as far as the east is from the west, he remembers our sins no more. As his arms outstretched on the cross and they went from one side to the other, he was showing us that he would remember our sins no more. The width of it, the breadth of his love, we could never comprehend. Wherever the east meets the west... Hallelujah. What is the length? What is the length of God's love? Do you know that the, the most commentaries say this length speaks about how God loved you from everlasting to everlasting? That God loved you before he made you. As he told Jeremiah, before you were in the womb, right? He loved you before you were even in the womb. This is, how we, this is why the church is pro-life, because passages like that. Because God knows babies even in the womb and before from everlasting to everlasting that means that if god knew you before you was born i want you to know this there's no length where god's love stopped you can go away from god but god will come after you god knew you before you were created you think when you take the wrong turn here in this life god's gonna just throw his hands up god's gonna come after you because he knew you from the beginning of time is the, the length we can never comprehend and the depth. Do you know that there's no valley? There's no gutter that he won't come to to rescue you out of. There's no pit that you could ever get in that Jesus Christ won't bend down and pull you out of. There's no place, no valley or gutter. There's no situation that you can get involved in that God says, done with you. Look, even if you vote Democrat, he, he still loves you. Now, we might not, but God does. I'm teasing, I'm teasing. I'm showing you, though, that there's no valley, there's, there's no depth that you may go that God won't come after you in. God will still come after you even when you feel like you failed. Even if you find yourself in a, in, in, in a bar somewhere as an alcoholic, even if you find yourself full of drugs and you can't, you can't function in life without that in your system, even if you get into a place where you are so bound by iniquity, you're so bound by whatever may, that bondage may be, there's no place that God won't come to pull you out of it. The depth, you'll never, never get past his reach from the lowest of valleys to the tallest of mountains he comes after those that he loves and he will rescue the perishing he will rescue the perishing no matter how stuck you are you're not too stuck for god you're not too stuck for god and the last one there is the height the height what does that mean pastor There's no mountain, no adversary, 
and no devil too tall for God. There's no mountain, there's no wall, there's no bondage, there's no barrier that God's love will not go past. There is no height he will not cross. When the enemy comes in, right, like a flood, what does he do? He lifts up the standard against him. God will always overcome the enemy. You have to understand this reality. There is no way a demon or a devil can keep you away from God. He is greater. Call on the name of Jesus, and you will see the demons flee. I don't know what your battle is, but I know who the victor is. I don't know how many battles you're facing right now, but I know who the Lord of the battle is. I don't know how low you've been, but I know the one who will come down to where you are and lift you up again. I don't know how lost you feel you are, but I know the one who will go from one west to the other east, seeking and searching for you, and he will not stop till he finds every one of his sheep. I know God loves you. And if you know God loves you, there is no fear in your life. Fear, look, is cast out by perfect love. And God's love is perfect. And if you'll know it today, God will deliver you from this tormenting fear. Communion and intimacy with Jesus will take you further than intellect ever will. Communion and intimacy with Jesus will take you further than intellect ever will. The Pharisees were stopped because they held the intellect. The fishermen from Galilee went further than them because of their communion and intimacy with Jesus. And God gives us that choice, that free will of which we would rather be. Which we would rather be. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning and this opportunity to hear your word. Lord, we pray, Father, that we would see your love with fresh eyes this morning. Lord, I pray that you would just take this message and help us to understand and know the reality that there's no height, there's no width, there's no depth, there's no length, that your love will not cross to save souls, to set free, to deliver. And Father, as your word says, that we would be filled with the fullness of God. Lord, I pray right now that these, your people here today, 